Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring orchestra leader Kay Kaiser, excerpts from A Date with Judy, Meet Me at Parkies, and Fibber McGee and Molly, plus comedian Milton Berle. Rudy Valley introduced many, many stars to listeners coast to coast on his weekly variety program, The Fleischman Hour. Listen to this June 4th, 1936 program, which featured comedian Milton Berle. By the way, I heard that Mae West, it takes a long time to get dressed in the morning. She has to slow up around the curves. I um, also heard that the, <laughs> the other day, this is the truth, the other day there was a big fire out in May West Destiny, out in Hollywood, and the funniest thing, it took two minutes to put the fire out and took two days to put the fireman out. Uh, <laughs> I also heard that May West is going on the air. She's going on the air for a corset concern. Boy, what a hookup. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> My uncle just came back. My uncle just came back on that boat, you know, on the Queen Mary. The whole world is talking about that great steamship. What a boat. My uncle had a great trip. He made 60 bucks in tips. And, um... <laughs> I met him at the boat. I met him when the boat arrived. Boy, I never saw such a mob in my life down there at the dock. The way they kept pushing and shoving, all of a sudden I heard somebody say, Man overboard! So I looked around, it was me. I don't know. <laughs> I found out today why they, why they call a boat a she. Because a boat is just like a modern fat flapper. By that I mean... She has a beautiful paint job, <laughs> wonderful lines. Most of the time, she's in a slip. She smokes all day, and it always takes a little tug to get her started. Some funnel, hey, kid? Very good. Oh, Rudy. Very good, Mr. Burl. Uh, I hear you're taking your mother to England on the Queen Mary. I am, Rudy. Mother wants to go to England. She wants to bet on the horses and reduce. Go to England to bet on the horses and reduce? Yeah, she heard that a woman lost 40 pounds playing the races. <laughs> Rudy's a swell guy. He's always been great, but since uh, since he opened on the hotel Astor roof, he's topped. He met me. Uh, he met me Tuesday afternoon, and he said, "Milton, he said, I want you to go up to the Astor tonight and be my guest. And as my guest, I want you to do me one favor." I said, "What's that, Rudy?" <laughs> he said, "Pay your own check." <laughs> what a plate that's! Right. I, I said to the waiter, "Call him the waiter." I said, "You got pig's feet?" He said, "No, I only walk this way on account of tight shoes." <laughs> I finally. I finally ordered, wait a minute, wait, I finally ordered some uh, alphabet soup, a bowl of alphabet soup. I love alphabet soup. The waiter stood behind me. He said, do you mind if I read over your shoulder? <laughs> I didn't mind that, but I did get sore when he threw a few green peas in the soup to dot the eyes. <laughs> that alphabet soup had me under its spell, so I finally sat right down and ate myself a letter. <laughs> what a floor show. They have a wonderful floor show at Rudy's place. They have a girl dancer there. She's painted all in gold. Quite a novelty. I watched the dance 12 times. <laughs> I figured sooner or later the novelty would wear off. <laughs> All the celebrities were at the Astor the other night. Peggy Joyce was there. She told me she just came back from Florida and she feels like a new man. <laughs> Peggy also told me... Peggy also told me she's getting married this year. Why should this year be an exception? You know, Rudy, I heard that stuff a few minutes ago when you called me the Ace of Clubs. That reminds me. Did you ever realize that love is like a bridge game? What do you mean, love is like a bridge? Well, now, look, Rudy, you take my brother. He met a girl. He saw she was a cute trick, so he took her out in his best suit, 
And to win her heart, he bid diamonds. She found out he had Jack, so he showed her hand. And then he knew he made the proper lead. And when she caught him playing another queen, she laid her cards on the table. She called a spade a spade. She came in with a club and made a grand slam. Boy, was my brother Trump. So they buried him with simple honors, and that was his finesse. <laughs> I want you to know, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, yours truly, Rudy, is truly yours. I like to make it clear, and Rudy, I'm sincere. You know, every moment with you is really a pleasure. And I'll hold your friendship forever as a golden, golden treasure. I'm grateful, and I want to thank you. And I know if Mother were here tonight, Rudy, she'd want to thank you, too. I've tried to impress you. I'm signing off. May God bless you. For I'm truly, yes, I'm truly yours. One of the popular situation comedy programs on radio during the 40s starred Louise Erickson in A Date with Judy. Well, it looks like something important is going to happen in the Foster family. We find Judy's father and mother and her kid brother Randolph sitting on the edge of their chairs in the living room when the front door opens and Oogie comes tearing into the house. Am I too late? Oh, Mr. Foster, tell me, am I too late? Am I? Am I? No, 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 it's all right, Oogie. You're not too late. Oh, thank goodness. I was so worried. Oh, good evening, Mr. Foster. Uh, good evening, Oogie. Uh, good evening, Mrs. Foster. Hello, Oogie. Hi, Randolph. Hi. Uh, Mr. Foster, do you think she'll call soon, do you think? I uh, think so, Oogie. Any second now. Just take it easy. Oh, gee, I hope someday I can show my deep appreciation for your courtesy in allowing me to come over here and talk to Judy on your long-distance call. <laughs> well, it's perfectly all right, Oogie. Judy's been gone a whole day and a half. Naturally, I realize that you two must have a great deal to talk about by now. Oh, you're so right, Mr. Foster. Of course, I want to make it perfectly clear that I intend paying my share of this call... Uh, what about ten cents, Stuart? Uh, never mind, Oogie. This one's on the house. Oh, thanks, Mr. Foster. Now, now, look, everybody. When Judy calls, I know that she'll want to say hello to every one of you. Now, that's fine. I want you all to feel perfectly free to say anything that you want, even though it is a long-distance call. Now, this is what we'll do. We'll all line up, then each of you say hello, and then quickly pass the phone to the one next to you. That way, we won't waste any time. We won't waste any money, either. It... Well, long-distance calls are very expensive, and... Oh, 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 the phone, the it phone. It was the phone. Yeah. I definitely heard it. Oh, now, then I can't wait to talk to you. I'll get it, I'll get it. Hello? Hello? Hello, Judy, dear. How are you, honey? I'm so glad to... Oh, oh, yes, operator, I'll hold on. <laughs> that was the operator. <laughs> hello? Oh, hello, dear. How are you? Oh, Father, I'm fine. How is everybody? Just fine, fine. Uh, tell me, how's Grandma? Oh, she's much better. Are you sure? I've been very worried about her. Well, a little while ago, she asked me if I could get her an autographed picture of Perry Como, so I'm sure she's better. <laughs> oh, that's nice, dear. Uh, who's Perry Como? Who's Perry Como? Father, I don't think you're even alive. Now, Judy, just a minute. Well, I don't see how anybody could be alive and not know who Perry Como is. Huh? Oh, yes, it does seem to me that I have heard you mention him before, Judy. Certainly. He's the fellow who makes the girls swoon. Frankie Como, of course. 
Oh, Father. Melville, let me talk to her. Yeah, all right, Dora. Uh, just a minute, Judy. Your mother wants to speak to you. Make it quick now, Dora. Hello. Hello, Mother. Say goodbye. Uh, okay, oh, no, just a minute now. Are you having a nice time, dear? Are you taking good care of Grandma? Oh, yes, Mother. I'm having a wonderful time. And I'm taking very good care of Grandma. You know something? I'm going to turn over a whole new life when I get home. You are, dear? Yes, Mother. This time that I've spent away from my dear, dear family has given me great food for thought. In the future, you will find me a changed woman. Here to after, you will never have the need to reproach me one whit. I'll do as I am bid to do always. Well, that's fine, dear, but what's happened to put your thoughts on so high a plane? Well, I've done so much damage here at Grandma's. Oh, uh, Dory, you've been talking a long time. Oh, all right, Melvin. Goodbye, dear. I'll put Randolph on. Goodbye, Mother dear. Here, Randolph. Hurry up, son. Well, go on. Say something into the phone. Well, what'll I say? Say anything. Well, okay. What hath God brought? Don't know. <laughs> Hello, dear Randolph, dear. Well, go on. Say something. Uh, uh, uh... How's Grandma? Oh, she's fine. Do you miss me? Fantastically. Come on home. I'll be back next Tuesday, Randolph, dear. All right, Randolph. Now, that's enough. Give the phone to Oogie. Uh, Judy, ye old faithful wishes to converse with you. Here, Oogie. Thanks, old man. Be brief now, Oogie. Be brief. Oh, yes, Mr. Foster. Hello? Hello? Who is this, please? Who is it? It's me, Oogie. Oh, Mr. Pringle. How nice to hear your voice. Judy, how can you be so cold after being away so long? Oh, excuse me a minute. Folks, would you all mind talking to yourselves for a few minutes? I have something kind of private to say to Judy. Oogie, we're not listening to a word. Go on, go on. We don't want to make the telephone company rich. Uh, Judy, what's the matter? Oh, nothing very much, Mr. Pringle. Except that I got a special delivery letter from my friend Mitzi this morning. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. And I must say that when a woman leaves town, the least the man that she has been going with for eons and eons could do is not look at other women. Judy, I don't know what you mean. I haven't looked at another woman since your departure. And Mitzi had no right to tell you that I did. Oh, Mitzi didn't tell me that you did. She didn't? No. I just thought if you had, this is a good way of finding out. Oh. Don't be mad at me, Oogie. I was just teasing. Oh, Judy, you're just the most... Oh, you're just... Uh, how's Grandma? Oh, she's fine. Oh, that's good. Come back soon, Judy, real soon. I'm glad you missed me, Oogie. Oh, Judy, I just can't tell you. Oh, boy, do you sound snazzy. Oogie, that's enough. Uh, say goodbye. All right, Mr. Foster. Uh, Judy, goodbye. Goodbye, Oogie. Uh, don't hang up. Don't hang up. Uh, here, give me the phone. Oh, yes, Mr. Foster. Uh, goodbye, Judy. Goodbye, Oogie. Hello, 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 dear. Oh, Father, it's been so wonderful talking to you all. I miss you. <laughs> That's good, dear. We miss you, too. Well, I'd like to talk to you just more, Father, but I know that long-distance calls are very expensive, so I'll say goodbye now. Uh, goodbye. Oh, j just a minute, dear, just a minute. I, I forgot the most important thing. What is it, Father? Uh, how's Grandma? <laughs> Another show that was to take radio by storm starred Harry Park Your Carcass Einstein in Meet Me at Parkies.
Come along to Parker's restaurant where our genial host is busily pecking out a menu on his little typewriter in the back room. Me, what a day this was. I'm got for today everything around this restaurant. The dishwasher is done sharp, the chef is sick. I told him not to eat here. <laughs> the laundry is done, come back, and even John Barton, my cashier, should have been here two hours ago. Not top everything else. Got to type up this menu myself, too. I might as well get going. Let me for to see the first thing we got is roast beef. Roast is R U S T. Beef is B I F. Don't look right. <laughs> Think what it needs a hydrant in between. Yeah, that looks nice. Now I could cross it off the menu because we don't got it. <laughs> now I got for the think up a few more things what we have done got and cross them off too. Then we come for the dessert. I think today what I'll make a colonial pudding. How you spell colonial? It's a long word, colonial. Better break them up in small syllables. Go that C O. Lawn is L-O-A-N. Now I got cologne. <laughs> Smells good. <laughs> knee, that's K-N-E-E. Now I got cologne. And eel is E-E-L. Now I got it. C-O-L-O-A-N-K-N-E-E-E-E-L. <laughs> Think I left out a knee. <laughs> See, it's a long word. You know, these papers don't be long enough for colonial pudding. I'll have to make a shortcake. Yeah, that'll be good. Oh, it's John Barton. Hello, Parky. I see you've taken my job. Awfully sorry I'm late. Yes, now, John, this is the first time what you came in late this year. Now, if it happens again, it'll be the second time. Oh, let me get it. <laughs> let me get it that typewriter, Parky. I'll get the menu done in a jiffy. Yes. Okay, let's go. Uh, what's the first item? The first item what you put down is the 35 cents businessman's lunch, you see? 35 cents? Yes. Oh, what can you give the businessmen for 35 cents today? You give them the business, see? <laughs> oh, Parker, you're always joking. Give me the rest of the menu and give it to me fast. I've got a lot to do. Faster? Okay, I'll give it to you fast. You ready? Ready. Well, we're going to have sea lime steak and tender lime steak, good piece lamb chop, red beef pork chop, nice fried onions, fresh peels, collins, French fried potatoes, lettuce and tomatoes, thin beams, baked beams, hot beams, too, grubar, cooked out chicken stew, mickerel, pickle, heavy, tripe, lobster, oyster, shrimp, or pie, hot pie, cold pie, soft pie, but pie, eagle, berry, bloomberry, strawberry, too, whipped cream, stiff cream, flame cream, no cream, squash top, apple, cockroaches, ghosted, mustard, ghosted, ketchup, chili, salt and pepper, and pickle lily. There you are. Forty-five cents. <laughs> Parky, not that fast. I'll never get all those dishes down on this menu. Well, what dishes? All you got for to put down is one dish. One dish? Yes, hash. Oh, but, <laughs> but if I put down one dish, the customers won't have a choice. They'll have a choice. They could either take it or leave it. <laughs> Wait a minute, John. I just got a great inspiration. What I'll make for dessert for today. Oh, you mean the colonial pudding? No, besides that, this is be a secret recipe for a cake, which it has been with my family for years. The cake has been in your family for years? Not the cake, the recipe. It's called the Parkyakakis whipped cream, three-layer banana coconut, marshmallow, maple syrup delight cake with nuts. Mm. Oh, does that sound good. How do you make it? Well, first I take 15 eggs. 15 eggs? I pick out three good ones. <laughs> now I, I take a quart of milk. Homogenized, of course. <laughs> Homogenized? So, you know, you talk with a dialect. <laughs> now, you put in three bananas. It's even better if you peel them. And now comes the part which I am be the most crazy, the maple syrup part. So you open up a can of maple syrup, you pour in three gallops. 
Now you take some flour. Uh, you... Wait a minute. You pour in what? Three galops, galops. Oh, what's a galop? You know when you open up a can of maple syrup, you start to pour it, goes galop, galop, galop. <laughs> Put in three of those. Oh, my John, look at the time. I got so much work for to do, too. I'll see you later. Another popular show which had the number one rating for many years starred Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. And that's what a guy gets when he tries to be a decent citizen. The brush off, the runaround, the squeeze play, yeah. the wet end of the paintbrush, the dirty politicians, the double crossing. Okay, the... dearie, calm down. White shirts aren't so easy to get that you can afford to wave your arms around like that. <laughs> Yeah, if you'd been hijacked two times and dealt off the bottom two like I've been, baby, you'd be screaming your lipstick off. Tell mother. Huh? I say, tell mother. Pull your eyeballs back in. Lay your hair back down. Push your pulse back to normal and give. You mean what am I mad at? Yes. Well, I'll tell you. I've been made the victim of the worst hunk of political skullduggery since Romeo stabbed Caesar in the marketplace. McGee, that was Brutus. So is this. <laughs> this is the most Brutus piece of misjustice in the history of Wistful Vista. All right, I'll take your word for it, sweetheart. Well, don't you agree with me? Well, I might if I knew what it was all about. As it is, I remind myself of Ginger Rogers and that picture Lady in the Dark. Oh. Oh, I guess I didn't tell you, did I? As the third assistant director said to the producer just before he was fired, no. <laughs> Now, here's the story, kiddo. Get out your hanky. This is a weeper. I can take it. Okay. Two hours ago, I called the community chest. I offers my services to head up the local drive, see? The logical choice for it. Smart, diplomatic, persuasive, energetic, and all stuff like that there. Now I am crying. Huh? Oh. Well, they tell me they've been thinking of Latrivia to handle the campaign, see? The mayor, Latrivia. I tell them the mayor is too busy. I tell them I know more about the community chest drive than anybody. Mm-hmm. I tell them I'm familiar with all the facts. That the chest in one appeal has united 90% of all the legitimate fundraising causes for 1946-47. I know all about the welfare centers, the social service exchanges, the efficiency of handling all those charities and services by one outfit. Well, I... I told him for 20 minutes my qualifications for the job. I want no pay. I want no glory. I just want to do my stuff. I can't give much dough, but I can work. I, George, I believe in the community chest, and I want to do my stuff. I applaud the sentiment, dearie. And they said? They said they'd call me back. And? That's all. Two hours ago, they said they'd call me right back. Two hours ago. Can't you think of any good reason why they haven't called back? I can think of a million reasons. They know I'll hang up a collection record that nobody will come within a mile up for a thousand years forward henceforth. It's jealousy. That's what it is. It's politics. It's a dirty... Now, now, McGee, take it easy. What do you mean, take it easy? By George, when a private citizen like me offers to give up his time, throw over all his personal business commitments... Such as what? Well, such as... Well, I gotta... Have to... I might... Besides the Elks. (laughs) I got my personal affairs, kiddo. I'm no fragrant. (laughs) 
McGee, the word is vagrant. But arose by any so other... So what happens? <laughs> they let me sit by this dad rat a telephone for two hours while they snicker up their sleeve garters. Make a fool of me while McGee, they... Huh? You can't think of any sensible reason why that phone hasn't rung? No, I can't. Can you? Yes. What? You didn't put the receiver back on the hook. Huh? Oh. Oh, sure. <laughs> Orchestra leader Kay Kaiser had his own program during the 40s, and it featured the crazy, insane Ishkabibble. And here he is, the old professor himself, Kay Kaiser. Thank you. Afternoon, folks. How y'all? Well, that's good. You know, you know, we usually meet every Wednesday night, but it's just as nice to meet on Sunday. You see, it doesn't matter when the meeting meets, just so we meet. <laughs> Boy, I like that sentence. That's the most meat I've had in my mouth for a couple of months. <laughs> oh, man. Well, folks, you never go hungry in our college. There's always plenty of corn, yes. But now, but now, children, uh, it's time for a little sweet music. And so I'll... Yes. Ishkabibble, stop it, will you? Stop. What's the matter? You wanted music, didn't you? Well, that noise was not music. Let's face it. You know nothing about that trumpet. I know everything there is to know about a trumpet. Like what? Like if you're out with Betty Grable and you hear one, you better not be. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's just about all you do know about music. Well, if you don't like the trumpet, uh, let me play the flute in the orchestra and you'll see what I know. Well, how well do you play the flute? Oh, you don't play a flute. You toot a flute. Oh, then how well do you toot the flute? Oh, I toot a beautiful flute. Uh, well, who taught you to toot your beautiful flute? My Uncle Newt. Your Uncle Newt? Yeah, crazy old coot. Learned to toot the flute from a French canoe. I don't give a hoot about Newt. Oh, you'd get a boot out of Newt. He's zoot. Oh, the point is moot. When can I hear you toot the flute? How about to Newt? Oh, no. <laughs> not to Newt. Believe me, Ish, if you had anything to do with the music in the college, we wouldn't have any. I'd just have to stick to questions. Boy, that's the easy way out. Yeah. You can ask questions, but just once I'd like to hear you answer one. Oh, I can answer questions. Go ahead. Ask me one. Okay. What has four wheels and a horn? An automobile. No, no. It ain't right. The answer is my sister's girdle. <laughs> Ish, that answer doesn't fit. Neither does my sister's girdle. Oh, <laughs> Oh, Ish, get out of here now. Students, I started out by saying we were going to have some music. And Ish, you know, Ish, here it is. Come on, children, while Henry Russell conducts the Hollywood City Orchestra, and yes, Dan. <laughs> Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.